All right. Let's dive in. I think this is right in line with where, uh, where we are. Uh, Matthew chapter 5. Y'all got your Bibles out? Get out your Bibles. Matthew chapter 5. I've just finished a series on the Beatitudes, but it's really a big series on the Sermon on the Mount. And we're going to pick up right where we left in Matthew. So will you read with me? I'm going to put it on the screen, but read with me on your Bible if you brought it. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people put a lamp and put it un- neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's pray together. Father, in Jesus' name, we acknowledge the teaching of Jesus. We acknowledge your word and we acknowledge that it is true. We come under the authority of your word this morning, Lord. We come under the authority of your presence and your power. Lord, we thank you for what you've already done in this place. We acknowledge that you have moved in this place and that you are here, and we will behave accordingly. But Lord, I thank you in advance for what you're about to do. Change our hearts. We've just renewed our covenant with you and submitted ourselves to you. Now, Lord, we're trying to put ourselves into place for you to make and mold us and change us. Start right now in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, you are welcome to speak, to move. You are welcome here in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, let's have some fun. Jesus, remember, Jesus is teaching, right? He's just gone up on the mount. He's, he's uh, started teaching. He went through the Beatitudes, really started dealing with our heart, dealing with our issues, dealing with some real sensitive stuff in our life. And this is where he's going. He's just finished kind of giving us eight guidelines or rules. But now he starts to tell us what a remarkable privilege we have. As weak and broken people. We are weak and broken people. We come in here with all kinds of issues. All kinds of baggage. Even so, we are called by the Lord to be his conduits. His vessels in the world. That we are salt and light. We are change agents through history. The body of Christ. We are his first and primary plan to not only transform the world, but to transform man. We, us, say me. That's me. That's me. You may look at yourself and think, I really don't have a whole lot to offer. How many of you, if you emptied your pockets, this is, I didn't know I was going to do this, but if you emptied your pockets, this is what you'd have. <laughs> Nothing. 
My kids ask me for a dollar, go see your mother. <laughs> you need a quarter, go see your mother. I've got nothing. When I, when I step up to the cross, this is what I've got to offer. Nothing. So if you feel like you've got nothing to offer, you're in the right place. You are the one called of God. But the Lord says, trust me, I've called you and I've arranged my kingdom this way. The Lord says, I won't transform the earth apart from you. I'm going to do it through you. You respond to me according to these eight beatitudes and through my grace, he says, I'll do the work through you. I'll do it. The Lord says, I'll do it through you. Right away, here we see two privileges in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13, saying we're the salt of the earth and the light of the world. But right along with those two privileges come two warnings. It says you're the salt of the earth. Now, I know that you've heard this taught before, but in biblical times, the, <coughs> the primary use of salt was to preserve, to keep from decaying, to keep from spoiling. This could be what you do is you take meat, and you would pack it with salt because they didn't have refrigerators. Young people, they didn't have ice boxes. They didn't have, have you ever heard that term? The ice box. That's an old, term, old school term. Let me, let me translate. They didn't have refrigerators and freezers. How many of you freeze meat? Sausage. Sausage. It's hard to, uh, you said that and I'm like, Sausage. But you use salt back in this day to preserve food. Everyone understood that if you were to use salt, you would prevent decay. But not only that, what does salt do to you when you eat a chip? Makes you, makes you happy. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. After the happiness wears off. <laughs> Y'all are funny. Come on, it's good. Then what? Makes you thirsty. We're to taste so good that it makes somebody thirsty for more. Let me ask you, do you make people thirsty? Or do you, or do you make them want to vomit? It's a good question. Salt makes people hungry and thirsty for God. But here comes the warning. It says, beware though. The Lord would say, beware. This privilege, privilege is so awesome that you would be the vessel to stop decay in the world. But know this, if your salt loses its flavor, it's good for nothing. It is a waste. It will be good for nothing. You know what he's talking about? He's talking about spiritually. You'll be worthless. You'll be worthless in making spiritual impact if we lose our saltiness. So if we lose our saltiness, how will we be effective? We will be ineffective. And the way that we lose our saltiness, I believe the Lord is starting to show us, is by not living a kingdom lifestyle. Not living according to, as we've started, living the Beatitudes. Why do you think he'd give us the Beatitudes and then say we're salt? 
He's setting us up to say, when you start to walk through my word, this is how you're going to, this is what you're going to become. This is the result. So to be salty, we've got to start walking out these beatitudes, walking out the kingdom, the, the Sermon on the Mount lifestyle. But the problem is sometimes we get walking, we're doing good, then we think, you know what? I don't really like walking this Sermon on the Mount lifestyle. I'm going to try a different way. And you try a salt substitute. We hear that expression, don't we? We want to be salty another way. And the Lord would say there is no other way. There is no salt substitute spiritually. I believe that if we try a salt substitute, our result will be the opposite of what salt brings. It will literally cause things to spoil and to decay. And it won't cause people to be thirsty for God. It will cause people to resist God. I believe that's what happens to the church. Let me ask you something. Have you ever ate something that didn't have any salt on it? Have you ever ate mashed potatoes with no salt? It's not mashed potatoes. It's a big goop of what? Junk. I can't remember what we ate in uh, Uganda, but it was this banana paste that had no taste at all. I'm like, I'm not eating that. I did eat it. I didn't want to offend them, but when I tasted it, I'm like, that doesn't taste like anything. It needs salt. And I'm not a big salter. You know, if you hang around with me, I don't salt a lot. But let me ask you this. Have you ever been putting salt on something and you accidentally dumped the whole salt thing on it? And you try to remove it, and then you eat it? You can't eat it. Too much salt ruins it. It takes the right amount of salt, right amount of salt doesn't it? So we've got to be careful that we remain salty and that we don't get off. How do we keep from getting off? Stay on the Beatitudes. That's where we are right now. Just start there. Beatitude number one through eight. You know, Jesus narrowed it down to two commandments. Love God and love your neighbor. Then you'll be salty. Then people will want to be around you. And they might hear your message. So the second great privilege, not only are you salt, but you're the light of the world. You know what the Lord says? The Lord says, you'll be my primary means for bringing God's direction in the earth. Do you hear me? Being light doesn't mean we just have a light in the room. It means you will bring direction to the world. You'll not just bring direction, you'll bring God's direction to the world. Do you see what the Lord is saying that we are to be? God says, I will bring my understanding of who God is through you. You will represent God to the nations, your neighbors, your family. And as light bearers, those who would bear light, it's more than information. It's more than the fact that we would be used to give direction and understanding of God and the understanding the, the message of Jesus, as important as that is. But I believe light goes one step farther because Scripture says that God is light. Okay, so follow me with this just for a moment. God is light. And that's part of the essence of who God is. Right? It's part of his DNA. Okay, stay with me. I feel like I want to lose you and I don't want to lose you. 
So to go one step farther, it's who he is. He is light. And look what Jesus said in, in uh, John 8, 12. He says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The issue of God's life has a supernatural dimension of imparting the power of God into you. When we become light, when we begin to walk out God's word, when we get obedient to him and begin to follow his word, you know what happens? That scripture of Jesus saying, now go do everything that I did and more. Why? Because the light is in you. And when the light is in you, that's a characteristic of God. All of a sudden, you've got a little bit of God in you, and you go and you lay your hands on someone, and the words that are coming out of your mouth are God's words. Well, when we get in tune with who God is, God moves. Whew. I feel like I could just fly out of the top of the... Light is power. So when we talk about the light, we associate it with God. We associate it with the power of the Spirit. And not just some impartation of information, but of power. It's an impartation of power. He's saying to us born-again believers, he's saying, you'll be the vessels in which I will bring living understanding. I will bring information from God through you to the nations, but I will also impart my power. I want you to know what happened with Miss Haven Hudson this morning was the power of God. It says that you overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of the testimony. Let me tell you, we need the testimony. Why? Because it's where the power is to break Satan. It is the way the kingdom has been set up for us to have victory. For someone to be praying and desiring and pursuing God, God gives you breakthrough, then that light comes in and you let that light shine. She doesn't go and hide that light under a bushel. Hide your light under a bushel. I'm going to let it shine. We'll try it again. Hide your light under a bushel. I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. She didn't. She let it shine. And then you responded. Satan's, Satan's doing some running today. Amen. Man, this feels good. Verse 15 says, don't put the light under a basket. Many times we miss that warning because we think of turning on a lamp. We think of flipping a switch. You know, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and go on off track. Our garbage disposal went out yesterday. Y'all ever had that happen? So I went to Lowe's and spent $200 of money I didn't have. We're doing Dave Ramsey and we're tightening down everything. And you got to go, I guess. Isn't exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking, but it's why you have an emergency fund so you can fix the stuff that goes wrong. So we fixed it, got it all wired up, turned it on, and it didn't work. Me and my father-in-law, mechanical engineer, brilliant guy. And it was the switch. And the switch wasn't bad, but by some coincidence, the wiring to the switch had vibrated loose. We took it apart and the wires just fell out. They weren't hooked around the screw. 
They were just... So we thought, do we want to unhook this one and take it back? And we've already busted the seal, and no, this one's four years old. We might as well just replace it. But the switch was bad. Wasn't the garbage disposal. Anyway, I thought, hope you enjoyed that. I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> but we think of a lamp. You know, back in this day, they had these portable lamps. They did have some lamps that sat on tables, but for the most part, they were these small lamps, and the lamps wouldn't work unless you had oil in them. And they would walk around with that light. They wouldn't put it under some bushel, under some covering, because you know what would happen? Number one, you wouldn't get any light. Number two, it would suffocate the flame. It would put the flame out. How many of you remember having a testimony that you never shared, and now you can't hardly even remember it? It's because you didn't put it up on a pedestal. You did not let it shine. You did not let it out. You don't have that testimony just for yourself. You've got that testimony to be released. You need to tell it in Sunday school. You need to tell it in life group. You need to tell it in the men's group. You need to get it out when you go eat dinner with somebody, break bread with one another, hang out at Starbucks, give a testimony. Somebody say amen. Okay. We can't let the fire go out in our life. The same way we lose our saltiness by rejecting the Sermon of the Mount lifestyle, by refusing the method of message of Jesus, we place our lamps under a bushel, hiding it and letting the fire go out. Sometimes we get off target and we try to be an alternative to God's light. But the funny thing is we think we're still God's light. We can have two problems. Number one, when we're the wrong light, we can cause people not to follow when we're the wrong light, and if they do follow, we take them the wrong way. Can you see how important it is that we stay on target? Jesus is still talking about these eight Beatitudes. He says, don't look for another method to be light bearers. And for those who would be salt, he says, this is the way forward. He ties together the privilege of being salt and light, and being used by the Lord in a unique way. The body of Christ is, this, is the only vessel in the earth that has the opportunity to represent God and be dispensers of his power and stop decay in society. You're saying the world is falling apart and decay. Do you know why? It's because the church is not salt and light and is not preserving this nation. We're letting it go. We're not taking our own responsibility. We need to embrace these beatitudes. There is no plan B. There's only plan beatitude. Three steps to staying salty. Real quick, I need to finish. Number one, live for the truth. We want to get these eight beatitudes. We're starting there, church, and I'm telling you, get in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. It's where we're going to be at Church on the Hill for the next long time. Live for the truth. Walk out these beatitudes. Number two, stand for the message of Jesus. We do not allow this message to come into our heart and then we put it under a cover. We've got to stand up and let it out even if it's not the popular thing. The church already is not popular. So why not we do the, the right thing anyway? 
Why not? Why not surrender completely to the Lord and see if he can make a difference in our city? It's certainly not working the way we're going now. He is the truth. And as we represent his truth, we can't hide our, and stand under a bushel. We've got to make a public stand in the workplace, in the neighborhood, in the home. We stand for what Jesus stands for. So many believers believe privately, but then in public they hide their light under a bushel. And Jesus says, no, I don't want it under a bushel. I want you to own it. I want you to stand for it. Jesus has these strong positions on a lot of things in Scripture. And when you stand for Jesus, we stand for the message that he gives. And we become a faithful witness of truth. And that is what makes us salty and light bearers. Do you know another reason why we need to let our, our message known is so it can be tested. I need my message, I need my words tested to know by another spirit-filled man and woman of God so that I know I'm on the right track. We hold these things in and we infiltrate our family. We've got corrupt, nasty, nasty thinking in our families. And then we don't share with each other and we don't rub off of one another and we don't grow. We stay right where we've been our whole life. No more. Get that message out and get ready. Because someone will say, ooh, that's not right. Let me tell you what is right. How many here want truth? At the expense of you may being wrong. Everybody says amen. Uh, it's hard to be wrong, especially as a man. <laughs> You said it, brother. <laughs> you said it. It needs to be tested. When we start to take a stand publicly, you know what? It makes us vulnerable. But you know what? We get truth, especially when we're around the right people. I need the lies in my life and the deceptions in my life to be uncovered. And light will uncover that. So these us weak and broken people, are the primary strategy for God to transform nations. Jesus used these uneducated, nasty fishermen, mainly poor guys. And he said, not only are you my first choice, you're my only choice. I don't have a plan B. I'm not going to change the earth apart from you. I won't bypass you. I will use you, but on God's terms, according to what God says. We must say yes to the character of the Sermon on the Mount. Step two, we say yes to his message, and we stand even when it's unpopular. And step three, we've got to demonstrate the truth. We've got to demonstrate it with practical deeds and with supernatural deeds. Maybe we just come down here and we lay hands on people and we see the supernatural move. Maybe we just go and eat with someone or we give them $20 when they're in need. What kind of deed can we back up to our truth? Faith without works is dead. Our message must have action. You want to know why we're not salty? Because our message has no action. In fact, it's the wrong action. We sometimes say the right thing, but we do the wrong thing. 
Everybody say amen. amen. Faith without works is dead. So as salt, we resist decay in society. We resist it in our own life. As light, we resist darkness in our own life. We take a stand against it, and we bring light to society. We don't yield to decay or darkness. We resist it in our character, in our words, and in our deeds. When we step into the world, we keep it from spoiling. But we make the message of Jesus appealing. The way we make it appealing is by doing, not by preaching at somebody, not by judging somebody, by when you think that they need to be judged, you don't judge, you love on them, you encourage them, and when they have a need, you're there to help meet that need. And then when they start to get hunger and thirst for you to be around, then they will hear what you have to say. Faith without works is dead. One reason why people resist the church and the gospel is because we don't back it up. We preach at people and then live a worldly life. When we follow Christ, literally following the teachings of Jesus, we will taste good. Then the message through us will be salt and light. So I want to encourage you. Church, let's start walking. Let's start doing and let the power of God come into us and make us salty and make us light. That the power of God would be in you and work through you. But the only way that works is by us completely submitting to his plan and walking it out. Many of you have gotten free today. It's just the start. It's not the end. Now we've got to walk. Now we've got to walk. We all stand up with me? Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for the power and the presence of your Holy Spirit today. Father, I acknowledge that you have been here today. And Lord, I just pray that we at Church on the Hill, Lord, that we, Lord, that our church is what you're looking for. That, Lord, that we would line up with, with your kingdom, not try to get your kingdom to line up with us. Father, I, I, just, I just pray that the, that the barrier between our heart truly being given to you, Lord, that that barrier that keeps us from doing that be broken. And that, Lord, that we would step, begin to step into that realm of literally walking out your word. With your heads bowed and as you're praying with me, let me just ask you a question. Do you know, do you, have you received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Scripture says that if you will believe in your heart, if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and if you will believe in your heart that he was raised from the dead, you will be saved. Well, I just want to ask you, have you ever confessed that with your mouth? That Jesus is Lord. Have you given your heart to Jesus? Would you do that right now, right where you sit? Just say, Lord Jesus, I confess that you are Lord of my life. I surrender my life to you right now. And I believe that you died on the cross for me 2,000 years ago. 
I receive you this morning as Lord and Savior. Church, I just want to charge you right now. Begin to walk out His Word. It will not work. You can't be salt another way. You can't be light another way. You can't get breakthrough another way. Jesus is the only way. No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. Would you come? The Lord would say, would you come? Just open the altar up right now to prayer. If you need a prayer, have a prayer need at all, come on down. Those that are praying with me, come on down. We're just going to open the altar back up. If you have a prayer need at all, step out here. Let us pray with you as we sing.